Hello, my name is Cornelius Harris. The date is 27 July 2021. And it's a beautiful morning. The time is 8.50 a.m. And I would like to begin my segment, uh, this episode, by uh, telling you a little bit of a synopsis of who I am. So my name is Cornelius Harris. I'm from I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I was raised in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I also served eight-year uh, career in the United States Army, and I currently live in the state of Georgia. Uh, so that's a little background information about me in terms of my education. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in social work, and I, I'm not accredited yet, but um, I did attend graduate school for the same field where I studied clinical social work. So I have extensive uh, education and understanding um, mental disorders and understanding or approaching the human condition from a clinical perspective. Um, I have a little bit of knowledge on. Um, So over the years between 2016 and 2020, um, I was, uh, I collected a series of journals uh, talking about mental health issues and uh, addiction, a substance abuse disorder, and family dysfunction, generational uh, stuff that really w- affected me on a deep and psychic uh, level, and it had and it played out and manifested in a lot of my lifestyle. Um, I want to read a little of the synopsis or a synopsis of the back of the book that eventually all of the journals. Uh, that I collected over a four-year span turned into uh, a, a, a book that I uh, published in 2021, 20, and the title is called The War Within. Um, it's a memoir about my life, and I want to read the synopsis of this and so you can have a little bit of an understanding. So accounting day-to-day encounters with the outside environment set Cornelius along a path of journal writing, encouraging the idea to make the war within a memoir. The completion of his book details being affected emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. He articulates how profoundly his pain and suffering affected him, pulling out emotions that he beautifully articulates concerning his social environment and how it shaped him. During this process, he uses the theme of religion, spirituality, as a tool to enlighten him about the nature of his existence and this interplay with the supernal universe as he accounts the psychic impressions that he refers as God or spirit God sent to help him understand who he is as a hurt black gay man. Intergenerational healing becomes crucial in understanding his family dynamic by using his rejection, shame, and trauma as an impetus for self-revelation. He deals with the struggles of understanding his sexual identity around the context of a heteronormative society and how he endured unbearable discrimination and stigmatization from a ruthless society. This drove him to the doors of Alcoholic Anonymous, a source he uses as strength to also heal from being marginalized in his own community 
by reconciling those fractured social networks that had once hindered him from embarking on self-discovery, he is able to find a path to discover himself as a black gay veteran living within the culture and milieu of American narrative that tells a different, less noble story of who he is expected to be by daring to break historical stereotypes and living his own truth. So that was a little bit of a synopsis. That is a synopsis of what this book is about. Clearly, you can see that it's a lot of psychic impressions. So I'm speaking from a very subjective standpoint, um, dealing with uh, things outside of the realm of objectivity. Um, And of course, I deal with um, past things as well. So the whole episode is going to be uh, sort of pulling out of the book, certain passages, quotes, uh, and uh, other life lessons and uh, in, in education that uh, that I've cultivated over the years to help me deal with uh, my mental ailments through therapy and Alcoholic Anonymous and and, and, medi- and psychotropic medications, and eventually going the more holistic route of like more meditation and reflections and doing utilizing other clinical practices like acceptance commitment therapy uh, dialectical behavioral therapy and just utilizing these sort of interventions in my own life each day really did help improve and balance my um, sense of awareness and was able to uh, able to separate the real from the fake and realize that I needed to own my own reality and I needed to also hold other people accountable for trying to distort that reality. So this was a struggle when you're trying to talk about courage and when you're trying to cross over the lines of self-acceptance and self-love and transforming yourself you have to hold people accountable for not validating your your journey not validating your 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 sense of autonomy to live as a free human being and be able to live with as much liberty and um dignity as one man could possibly live um, so this was a lot of emotions being pulled out of me, a lot of anger, um, even crossing the lines of um, psychosis, where um, hallucinations were impressions that I experienced as well. Um, being diagnosed with a mental health disorder was also an experience. And just being seen in society as That's not enough. And that was my truth. That, and, and, and I, I can't, there's no real antidote to explain this type of ailment in society against me, the striving man. I will, I guess, make my character more clear the more I talk and the more I talk about the book. Um, but yeah, I want everybody to understand that um, my podcast is going to be very raw. It's going to be uncut. It's going to be unapologetic. It's going to be unforgiving. And it's going to be truth because it's my truth. And 
I was never able to climb out of the state of delusion and despair and hopelessness until I really held myself accountable and I held the people around me accountable for the reality that I was living that was very um, hard for me. Uh, It was very hard for me to navigate through realities uh, being a social being and also having to connect to other human beings now I have a sense of uh, balance that I can be able to navigate this relationship between what I want and that connection to the larger picture or the bigger human story which is us moving towards this self-propelling evolutionary destiny uh, bringing more cooperativeness in society, more balance, more, more, more harmony, more understanding of other different people, and just respecting us for the uniqueness that God created us to be. I didn't understand this until the end of that journey. And none of this became elucidated to me. Nothing this would my eyes wasn't open to it. The veil didn't become uh, lifted until I was one, learned to love myself and let go of my resentment and my anger and let go of pain um, that was stemming from my childhood, of my rejection, of my sense of loneliness, of my sense of acceptance uh, in the gay community, uh, and just the overall accepting myself as a a living, breathing organism operating with, you know, in the, you know, in this sort of segment reality um, that is impressed on or imposed onto me uh, to pay attention to my environment, to pay attention to to the to what's really the the story, the condition, or the truth. <laughs> what is the truth? And now I've been able to separate the truth from what's not real. And that gives me so much more compassion and it opens my, expands my humanity to the point where I can see the good in the most despicable, deplorable human being. Um, And I want to just say in the introduction that this has been a transformative experience for me. And I really encourage you to stay tuned and keep up with my journey because it's a very interesting journey Uh, I've had a very interesting life and I would love to share my life it's 700 pages of my truth and I tried to condense this down and it was more than this actually but I decided that I only needed to tell certain you know pertinent Information that was more along the themes of like my mental health and my substance abuse and my uh, kind of confusion with the uh, with my sexual identity and and trying to navigate that around this kind of context of you know baby making and heteronormativity and and morality and religion and things of this nature. So you can understand how this can become confused for a person who just wants to live his own truth. But I didn't get to this point until I learned to self-love. So hopefully 
the objective or the goal of this podcast is to allow, give people tools that I used over the year to sort of help them love themselves. So we can basically stop hating each other with no purpose. <laughs> I think everybody wants to stop hating at some point in their life. Why not do it now? So I could just not say anything or I could try to help humanity and help them stop hating themselves. <laughs> and that's what I want to do. So that's my objective. And I want to just carry this out and continuously do this because I know this is my purpose because I see humans suffering and I don't want them to suffer anymore because life is beautiful life is beautiful but you can't really encompass the beauty if you're living in darkness and you only see what's in your own mind and not realizing that nature has is suggesting to us that we can live a more easier, simpler, more happier life if we learn to let go and surrender our will to always control, to surrender the will of needing that instant gratification. Because it's all shrouded and it's all deep-seated in, in, in a state of insecurity, in a state of, uh, of, I need to escape this feeling that I'm having because I don't want to deal with the emotions of that. So I'm going to pick up this alcohol. I'm going to pick up this cocaine. I'm going to have all the sex that I want to have because, you know what, I need to escape this feeling. I need to suffocate this feeling. And it's too emotional, it's too much pressure on me. So that's the society that I lived in, that I was existing in, around people who was glorifying and validating this kind of quick fix uh, mentality, lifestyle. This don't ask, don't tell lifestyle. But they, when they stop asking, they stop asking themselves the question is, is this life conducive to a healthier lifestyle? And then they stopped telling themselves that it, that it wasn't. So they've convinced themselves that it was actually had life-changing benefits. So we live in a society that really is taking the dysfunction of life and turning it into normal. And turning it into, this is how I am. And this is how I'm going to be. And I can't change because it's too 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 powerful to change and I'm here to say that when you hear my story you'll realize that no matter how deeply entrenched the delusions are you can unravel them and you can get into a space of normality um yeah so I love what I'm doing and I want to be objective as possible because I don't want to get into nobody's feelings uh but this is my truth and it might rub people the wrong way and I'm not going to say I don't care but I, I can't afford to care about people's judgments anymore I can't af- afford in my life to care that somebody thinking that I'm out of place or I'm stepping my bounds for telling my truth because people need to heal 
and I'm sick of living in delusions and sick of pacifying people because of their insecurity. So that has to end and that has to stop. So my segments are going to be about 15 to 20 minutes roughly. And yeah, I'm just going to just do me. So stay tuned for more. I'm going to try to post every single day. And yeah, this is a really cool endeavor because I love to talk about this experience because the book writing process was great but actually talking about it is so much much more enriching to my life because now I'm able to connect to even more people who wouldn't necessarily run out and buy my book and then actually read the book so I'm happy that I'm able to have this platform guys and um, yeah just stay tuned cheers hello my name is Cornelius Today I'm going to be speaking on the book, The War Within, which is a memoir that I wrote um, detailing four years of my life. And uh, you can read more, I learn more about that in the introduction section. But um, this segment is going to be uh, just reading through the introduction and just taking you through um, kind of how this journey began and starting with, uh, with the beginning of the book. So... Hi. I did not think of publication when I began this work, but as time went on and more of my life started to be revealed, I realized no one would see me as credible if I only passed along my story by mouth. Unfortunately, I was never in the business of talking too much, less known about myself, so I knew that I did not write, if I didn't write my thoughts down, that the memory would easily fade into the recesses of my subconscious, where it would frustratingly replay in my personal life. Though the thought of insanity was on the table, I knew I did not, if I did not record the details of my life, one, out of a need to capture the essence of my experiences uh, and how it shaped me and the mirrored way that it has affected my life. And two, because I always love to write and nothing calms me more than getting lost in the flow of my thoughts. Due to the conditions warranting a threat to my creative outlet, I knew that my experiences needed to be defended privately and there is no better weapon than a pen and a paper used to defeat the mightiest of my opponents, myself being my greatest one. However, I did not conceal from myself doubts which seemed to stand in the way of telling my truth, mainly having considerations for certain persons still living in which I have gone about changing their names for the sake of their privacy. I came to believe that someone would benefit to read my truth, whether they grew in a dysfunctional home, have a predisposition of carrying dubious family genes seeming to predominate or predetermine life's unfortunate consequences, or anyone who may be questioning life and want to have a better understanding of who God is. All are up for discussion, as you will discover. I want to discuss how a small-town gay black man would eventually enter the military to meet his country's call. I want to share the intimate turmoil of my relationship with men and how hurt helped heal me through sex and finally intimacy I was able to step back from my devious behavior and take an inventory of who I was as a same gender loving man living a homosexual lifestyle 
Through my self-reflection, I questioned the validity of my sexuality in ways that I thought that it was never possible, rather than merely accepting my identity as a homosexual. However, this mythical process gave me the range to enable me to realize not to have a definite opinion of myself, and when no answer came within to remedy the complexities of what I perceived to be the problem, it was ultimately not that serious. I want to help the reader to see that the lure of my addictive behavior was not from the fact that I lived a homosexual lifestyle or that the allergy of needing substances came out of a predisposition of sexuality. The humanity of my addictions stemmed from the psychic trauma in childhood than some pre-organized mechanism giving me the experience of pain and suffering which ultimately drove me to walk through the doors of Alcoholic Anonymous. The depth, the weight of the stories I heard in those meetings held my interest long enough to serve as protection for my survival. Though I have more understanding of my fellow man, seeing myself as no better, I want to expound my different how, how different I felt apart from him. This difference, as you will read, manifested inward circumstances, widening my range of personal observations by giving an account of my contact with the supernal forces of the universe and how it affected my mental state. This contact forced me to various oddities of behavior that would be classified in the psychology field as mental health disorders. The frightening schisms accounted for imposed mental states that were nevertheless alarming, where one would assume that I was losing my mind, at least that's how external manifestations appeared. It was critical that I continued ignoring my, if I continued ignoring my external impressions, that the internal manifestation would set in entropy in the part where the faculties of understanding resides in the mind. With my financial security in jeopardy, the disillusions of social maladaptive behavior, the terror of reconciling negative family karma, all setting in cognitive modes in which my thoughts were operating. The preoccupation of wrongs due to me from the general social fabric strongly roused the belief that my environment and the world at large were peopled with only enemies. Having no clear distinction, I considered all of them as emissaries for the devil, being used to diffuse my will to live and ultimately kill my hopes for higher learning, which threatened my career prospects and prevented me from acquiring a positive a position that I would be feel passionate about. Immediately, death seemed looming in the shadows, haunting my nightmares and seizing my daydreams, preventing me from living the life that I was meant to live. My journey conceals cryptic references until I knew how to observe my own ways. Then I was able to understand the divine afflatus following me to the end like a guardian angel leading me out of the conflagration both external and internal thus removing the ignorant state which bounded my senses surely no one knowingly enters a self-destructive lifestyle but when one lives in his own skin he makes home any place that he can lay his head a military life surely did teach me how to be resilient but it did not teach me the vulnerabilities that being vulnerable was the impetus to this assimilative virtue. Surely I had to find resilience when trying to understand this spirit-human interaction in which I had no historical base, only the allure of my impressions guarding the esoteric mysteries of who I would 
would learn through faith-based institutions and spiritual mediums was God's communication to me, his, his presence. The beginning of my journey began at the end of tell of the tale of 2015 upon completing active duty service in the United States Army, where I served for eight years. The inferences of my experiences end at the intel of 2019, going into the new millennial, accounting for four years, during which time I learned the dimensions of existence by ascending into hell. But to my utter surprise, I discovered peace and a belief in the power of my own willingness, honesty, and humility to establish a belief in a higher power. My hope is that my exposition of matters is understood and incomprehensible in the domain of reconciling one's, oneself by my honesty and candor in an attempt to help others understand the existential context of my experiences and my world and myself so without further ado the journey begins and that is the introduction um, I'm going to try to make my segments about 15 minutes top so I'm going to go right into chapter 1 embarking on my new life I was finally packing up life at Fort Drum, New York I loaded the last of my belongings in the back seat of my Toyota Yaris. The remainder of my household goods would be shipped to my new address via a moving company. With anxiousness and exhaustion balled up in the pit of my gut, mostly from anticipation, I was excited to be starting a new chapter in the city of dreams where I hoped to live out my dreams. I always wanted to live in New York City and life was granting me my wish. So life could only see better, seem better for me, so I thought. I was in, I was in within a bird's eye or 436 miles from where I would start my new life. Nothing was going to stop this fresh new day, which seemed sewn in the fat garment fabrics of my life as the red carpet rolled out, stretching down Interstate 81. I was ready to strut the catwalk. My soul, hope, my soul was hopeful, being that I was now raising my head up and kicking rocks at the army. I was off to an angry jungle without my M16 rifle to protect me. My only defense was hand-to-hand -hand combat. All my previous training would go out the window as I needed a new set of eyes and ears. I did not plan on life feeling mundane to the point of depression. I hear there are a high percentage of veterans leaving the service who cannot cope with the civilian world, so they sink into a world of anger, probably from all that built-up compromise and sacrifice and they give up for so, too, for, so, for so long. In an end, we veterans are left with the army version of a pink slip. But it was not as if I could take my DD-214 across my forehead, letting my constituents know that I served honorably in hopes that they make the transition easy and allow me to live in peace. It would have helped if I was born and raised in New York, but I was not. I was what they annoyingly refers to as Southern gentlemen, or for the gays, a Dixie queen. This new chapter were debunked people's ideas of me being country and simple-minded though I consider myself a small-town boy turned GI I was willing to throw myself full force into the unknown territory following rules and obeying commands given given by less than favorable authority figures all made my life a living hell in hindsight the army taught me discipline and a standard that I desperately try to hold to myself at times of fail but I'm sharper before joining now it was time to put all that I had learned to the test, to prove that I could ride or die with the best of them. 
I thought I was already living the life, partying and having uncontrollable sex throughout most of my career until one of my skeletons came out the closet after finding out that my health had been compromised, making it more difficult to keep under the radar and hide my mischiefs from others. With my new diagnoses, I reasoned continuing an army career would be too stressful. Instead, I chose not to re-enlist while my dignity was still intact. I was now without fear of reprimand and free to be gay and express my sexual liberation, letting liberty, let, with liberty, letting freedom ring a dig a lane, if you catch my drift. Coming out of the military and moving to the Bronx was like coming out of a closet only to go into an even bigger one. Hiding my sexuality was like weight, a weight weighing down on my shoulders, a weight I desperately needed lifting off. All in all, I, and I was eager to find out why they called the Bronx the boogie down. But from what I had been, what I, for what has been said of the Bronx, I may experience more down than the boogie. But I took the good with the bad in any case. I was determined to embark on this new chapter, not letting fear get in the way. Only time will tell whether New York will turn out to be the best or the worst decision I ever made. I lived in a society that figuratively wished to put me in my place in case I forgot where that place was. I believe this expectation is what has been controlling my inhibitions. I found out that the hard way I found out the hard way how people wish to relegate me to the lowest denominator, ensuring that my options are slim to none, making it difficult to imagine and escape out of this reality. The military served as a holding ground for the seeking and displaced, in which I was a member. Despite feeling caged, I sought after pleasure, but I would later learn when one stands for nothing, he is easy to fall for anything, and eventually there will be consequences in getting what I wanted, and life was requesting that I analyze those consequences when I overstepped my boundaries. I was messed up in ways I never realized, and I had a blatant disregard towards society, but I never knew why. Was it in a way to flip society off for not being easy and forgiving on a wounded black man? Or did I lock all that hurt and pain from my past in a theoretical box, keeping it in the back of my mind where each day became this maneuvering technique so not to relive the trauma and the past the past had caused me? This same hurt enabled me to create a self-destructive alter ego that I am now forced to reckon with. This alter ego endows me with enough confidence to make me feel that I have life in control, but I was soon to realize that life was controlling me. If I were to go out of my way to be nice to anyone, they had to be first vindicate me for their judgment because I never, I, I, was I never supposed to get anything back in return, not even respect? I would be lying if I said that I did not harbor resentment towards people who wronged me because there must be be give and take in this world. So instead, I lived in the principles of treat your neighbor the way they treat you and never let them get the upper hand. Though I had a tick-for-tat mentality, I wondered if I was genuinely happy with the life that I was living and if happiness was conditional to this reciprocity. I, def I desperately needed to distract a distraction from answering those tough questions. That is why I was happy that I was beginning undergraduate school when I will be able to put all my energies into something and to be rewarded for my efforts by earning a, de a degree that I can feel proud of. My studies will offer me a big distraction, so I, I had no time to think about my feelings, which it enabled me to have a live and let live approach to life. But at the age of 32, I was now sure if I was in full control of my destiny, 
or maybe my story had already been written. But that was the funny thing about life. And that is the end of the first chapter. And that concludes the segment for today. Thank you for guys for listening. And stay tuned for chapter two.